Well, good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, July 11th, 2021. Man, what an exciting season to be here at LCM. We want to remind you of a word of prophecy that was given this last Wednesday during our worship time. The word acted as confirmation that God is moving. He's leading. He's sifting. He's arranging this very group of people as he sees fit. See, his divine purpose is being seen, it's being felt, and it's being acted upon by this group of people. The sifting and arranging is supernaturally designed to remove fear, to remove desires that aren't relevant to his campaign. Somebody say campaign. campaign. As in a military campaign, as in a battle that our king, our sovereign, has determined for us to go upon. His great leadership is going to remove our grip on any fears or desires so that he can put in our hands weapons. And as the prophecy went on to say, he's going to put trumpets in our hands. This was the word that came forth on Wednesday night. And it was so good that we wanted to start off by reminding you of what was said to us in this group on Wednesday. Also on Wednesday night, we shared a message on prepare to move where we zeroed in on the children of Israel following the cloud of God's presence as they followed his overall plan. In fact, turn with me to Numbers chapter 9, and we're just going to take a look at verse 23 and pick up from there. Numbers 9, 23. At the Lord's command, they encamped. At the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. Look, the Lord's command was seen as the cloud moved out or as it settled in. And do you see here that they obeyed the Lord's order? It wasn't arbitrary. It wasn't optional. And remember, they were able to be led in this manner for 14,600 days. That's 40 years watching this cloud move out and settle in. I can say in this church, in our body, in this family, we can see the Lord is moving in our midst. And what it's leading us to is to do the same thing that the children of Israel are doing. And that is to obey his command, demonstrating trust grounded obedience. Well, let's continue on in this, uh, this narrative of numbers and let's go to numbers 10. And we're going to pick up with verse one. The Lord said to Moses, make two trumpets of hammered silver. How many trumpets? Two. two. Two trumpets of hammered silver and use them for calling the community together and for having the camp set out. Well, we begin this passage with just two trumpets of silver. This is different than a shofar throughout the word. But this number two is consistently seen in the word as the number four covenant. And silver is consistently seen as a metal that represents redemption. And for a trumpet to be utilized, you have to have breath. You have to have ruach sound right through it. So what we see is that the Lord is instructing Moses to set up these two trumpets of hammered silver or this covenant of redemption. And have the Ruach of God sound through it to give direction of what needs to come next. In a, in a total sense, he is instructing them of how to give a clarion call. Everybody say clarion call. Clarion call. This clarion call is going to give clear direction that will result in unity, 
meaning calling the community together, and movement of having the camp set out. Well, what this required is a constant awareness of his presence and giving a trumpet call that would demand someone of maturity in this position. They couldn't just make any kind of call or any time that they wanted. They had to have situational awareness of God's presence to do so. Let me just read to you Numbers 9.21 that reflects this. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning. When it lifted in the morning, they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. These men were assigned day and night to watch the cloud. And even if it was from evening to morning, so it could be somewhere around 12 to just a few hours, their eyes had to be fixed and ready to sound this call. Well, the title to today's message is Clarion Call. Everybody say Clarion Call. Clarion Call. Man, I like that. Whether day or night, you have to be watching for the Spirit of God. I know some in here will like to take the morning shift. The rest of us will take the night shift, but we'll all be watching for the presence of God. Take a look at Numbers chapter 10. Let's look at the very next verse in verse 3. When both are sounded, when both trumpets are sounding, the whole community, somebody say whole community, whole community. is to assemble before you at the entrance of the tent of meeting. See, the whole community is joining together in assembly. They're joining together to receive divine direction when both trumpets are being sounded. When there is a witness of God's presence, there was a sound that could be made and the people knew that they must gather and join together. And of course, it's based around the very house of the Lord, the tent of meeting where God's presence was. Come on, it's almost like we're seeing here a picture of what it's like for a group like this to hear the call. What is that call? That a group of people who have heard the call that have been supernaturally transformed and they can hear what God is saying and they move together. But it's not just to gather in one place. It's more than just arriving in one building because it is something about joining together. If you just arrive in the same building, you might be part of a club. You might be going to a store. You might just be a group. There's something different about when you come together as a community. The entire community had to assemble. Man, that is like us here in this place, not just getting closer in our proximity, but getting closer and closer in our face-to-face -face interactions with each other. In our actual closeness and unity with what God is doing here. You can think about it like Acts chapter 2. I mean, we are familiar with this, that they were all together in one place, and uh, the older versions would say, in one accord. Because you can be in one place and not be in one accord. You cannot have the homo thumadon, the unity that God is trying to build. That's what he's doing here, folks. As he's moving houses, as he's moving places and moving people around, it's to join together in a way that we have not yet done before. I'm going to read to you out of 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 26, and we'll put it on the screen for you. You can stay there in Numbers chapter 10. It says this, what then shall we say, brothers, and the NIV 2011, brothers and sisters, because, because clearly you can't figure out that if he's speaking to brothers, who he's speaking to. What shall we say then, brothers? When you come together, somebody say when. When. Man, you don't get to make a choice about if you're going to come together. You might have to figure out uh, uh, what time and where we're going to meet, but you don't determine if you're going to meet because it says when you come together. Amen. Listen to this. Each of you, each of you has a hymn, 
a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. In older versions, instead of it saying everything, as if it just opened it up, it's saying all of these things must be done. It keeps it in the context with what this verse is saying so that the church can be strengthened. It can be built up. It can increase in potential. It can increase in power with what God has. See, this is where God is calling us today. You heard a prophecy from Pastor Eric about making a a clear call about going forward and God is clearly giving us things that we must do. He's calling us to come together. There's the sound of the trumpets that you should be hearing in your ears. And it's one of the functions of it is to assemble together that we might each have something to contribute. Not just coming and being a participant, not uh, uh, rather uh, an observer, but being a participant in what God's doing. One of my favorite parts about LCM is that there's an expectation that's here. Yes. And here's the expectation. We might have many expectations, but this is the one that's moving my heart right now is that every man and woman in this room, you're being called together to join together in in community, to join together so that you can do what we do and not just believe what we believe. Come on. See, that's the difference when God is calling you together and the community is to join together. It's so that you can do what we do. You can be who we are, not just believe what we believe. Do you see the difference between this Bible community and what just a group or a club or a gaggle or a a flock would be? This is what God is doing here. And it's that we are joining together so that each one fits in the community, fits in the body, fits in the battle array that God has for us. Can somebody say hallelujah? Amen. Man, I am proud to be part of a family that loves to hear from God. And in doing so, whenever we assemble, loves to boldly step out and share what God is giving you. How much have your lives been strengthened and edified because we have joined together? We have heard the clarion call that we must assemble and that I need my brothers and my brothers need me. Well, in addition to the clarion call for the whole community to assemble, let's read in verse four and see how it continues. If only one is sounded. See, the previous one was both for the whole assembly, the whole community. But in verse four, if only one is sounded, the leaders, the heads of the clans of Israel are to assemble before you. Look, leaders that assemble in the presence of God, based on this clarion call, are then able to give divine direction to the people that they lead. Think about military intelligence. Getting within that sowed, that counsel of understanding in God's presence. Getting that divine revelation of what must be done next to stay a step ahead in carrying out God's will. Well, this provides stability through righteous judgments that come through the leaders. Through their divine guidance, the nation is thereby held together. It's much like the function of the fivefold ministry and the elders of our church. Man, when we get together, we hear that clarion call and we sit within the counsel of God. He begins to reveal to us what must take place next that our natural senses cannot detect. He gives us words of knowledge and wisdom and insight about this church and about your very lives. And then we walk in obedience to make sure that that is carried out and that is done. Well, I see here an ever-growing group of able men and women. 
men and women that are growing into their call, fashioned into what God has designed you to be. We have layers of what we have as leaders within our church. Leaders not singular, it is plural. We have elders, the best elders on the planet. That's true. We have That's pastors, true. we have teachers, we have preachers, we have home group leaders. This is much like the counsel that came from an elder named Jethro to his son-in-law Moses. In establishing layers of a thousand, a hundreds, fifties, and tens. Well, this is all aimed at something very particular. Let me read to you Luke 640. Luke 640 says, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Leaders who hear the clarion call to assemble in the Lord's presence are then able to receive divine direction that in turn raises up disciples to become exactly what they are. That's exactly what our aim is for you. It's to watch you grow, watch you walk in your mezuzah. You come up to your full potential to increase and strengthen your call. And so that you become exactly what we are. Well, that's a heavy load on our shoulders as elders and pastors. So here's what we ask for you. Pray for your leaders. Pray that as we sit within the counsel of God and respond to that clarion call to assemble in his presence, that our ears can be trained to hear exactly what he's saying and the instructions of how to carry it out. Come on now. The idea that God is calling and can call leaders. He has a special call for that. I love that this church is building up a room full of leaders, that God is raising up men here in this place. It's not our design to ever be a singular person, a singular leader. You're just not going to see it in this house. What you're going to see are teams of leaders that are building up other teams of leaders. Let's look at verse 5 in Numbers chapter 10. When a trumpet blast is sounded. Now we're going back to the two trumpets here. The tribes camping on the east are to set out. Somebody say set out. Set out. See, when you're talking about assembling, it's so they give you instructions on the entire group and the leaders, how they are supposed to assemble together, how supposed the community is supposed to come together. In verse five, we're starting to see the part where they are setting out. They're going to move out. When a trumpet blast is sounded, the tribes camping on the east are to set out. At the sound of the second blast, the camps on the south are to set out. The blast will be the signal for setting out. What you're hearing is the trumpet that begins to call. The signal is to set out in the right order, in a shalom, in a way that was prescribed. And this passage goes on to describe that. See, sounding a distinct call for movement of certain groups to go first and certain groups to fall in and follow along with what's going on. The first ones to move were the tribes on the east. Now, you guys are probably very familiar with who that is. That's the tribes under the headship of Judah. You send Judah first. He begins to move. Those people begin to move. Second are the tribes on the south with Reuben. They begin to move. And then what's not stated here is that the west and the northern tribes are going to fall in line after this. In other words, you're hearing the trumpet. The entire groups of, of, of Israel hears the call. And they go, oh, amen, Lord, you're sending someone to go first. That means that we are getting ready and we're ready to fall into line with what you are doing, God. We have a place. Did you know that it, even the, the priestly lines carrying the holy things of the very presence of God also had a place that they fit into this? This is what the entirety of the rest of chapter 10 is talking about from verses 11 to the end. It's speaking of them falling in line, falling in behind not only the tribe, but the specific leaders. 
What does this mean for us, church? What does this mean when you hear the call and things start to move? It means that there's an order that these things happen. There's a group that goes first, but then everyone else is supposed to fall in line. See, you knew that because you kept assembling together. And so if you're together when you assemble, you've got to be together when you're moving. You know what this allows for? Just this basic understanding right here. It allows for there never to be a need for comparison. Amen. Somebody Amen. say no comparison. no comparison. Why does Judah get to go first? Maybe it's because Moses likes them better. It's because they've been assigned their position and for them not to go first puts everybody else in jeopardy. See, God is assigning you. He has a, there's no need. Galatians 6, 4 talks about no need for comparison. You can look at what God is doing and you actually get excited about it. <laughs> I remember going with these men to Mexico many times. And especially when I first got here, they would be at the head and I would be at the rear. I was like, oh man. This is an important spot. I'm the last one in the train of people. What does that mean? That means that I can't leave anybody behind. It means I got to learn to keep up. It means all kinds of things. And I loved my position at the end of the train, at the end of the procession. I was like, man, this is awesome. I've got a place in this group. Look, I'm a part of what's going on. See, that's what God is doing here is he's got movement that is going on and there's no need because God has already assigned you to your tribe, to your clan, to your family, to your position, and it cannot be moved. You just move together as a family and as a tribe, man, you know what else this means is I'm thinking through this passage. It means that if you're on the West or the North, what are your expectations that you're about to move to? When you hear the trumpet, you're like, okay, we, got, we get to pack up. It's going to take a minute for the line to get going. But we are also ready to move. We're ready to set out. Even if we're on the west, even if we're in the north, you're going to get ready to set out. Oh, what does that mean for the families in our church? That means that there are a lot of people moving in the next few months. That means some of you may also be joining in that and you just don't know it yet. Amen. God being able to bring us closer, bring us together so that even when we're moving, we're keeping the same kind of joined together attitude that we learn by coming to the house of God. See, this is an incredible thing that we should have an expectation that when God is moving in our midst, you're not going to be left out. You're not going to just sit and soak. You're going to be able to be a part of what God doing and how he's moving us. Amen. Man, isn't that so good to know? Some of y'all got nervous about having to move. I know, that, I know that just really troubled you. Don't be. Because if God is calling us, he has got a battle. He, we are getting ready and we're moving. And this is something that God is doing in our midst. And so we're not going to have any trepidation. We're going to move forward in boldness. We're going to move forward in confidence because his trumpet has Amen. sounded a clarion call. Amen. Isn't it comforting to know that our God gives us a clarion call? There's no ambiguity. There's no guesswork. He speaks. It is clear. We listen and we obey. Well, let's look at Numbers 10, verse 7. To gather the assembly, blow the trumpets, but not with the signal for setting out. This requires there to be the playing of the exact right tune. And you see, there's a distinction between the clarion call to assemble and the clarion call to to set out. Well, just to make sure we're all on the same page that we're clearly understanding this. We have a slide for you for the word clarion. 
Well, the first definition, it says to sound of or as if of a clarion. Okay? Well, look at the bottom one that we have as the adjective. It means to be brilliantly clear or to be loud and clear. Coming in loud and clear. When God gives his command for the clarion call to go out, it is something that has to be loud and clear, brilliantly clear, easy to see, no distortion whatsoever, but a clear distinction of exactly what he wants you to do next. There's a different sound for assembly, a different sound for setting out. Well, what this requires, think about the person actually sounding the trumpet. It requires them to have an ear that recognizes the distinctions between sounds. Because if he doesn't have an ear, then he will not sound the clear clarion call. And so what that means is that an ear has to be trained to know that distinction. Trained to be able to then sound the right clarion call. Well, turn with me to Exodus 32. And let's look at verse 17. Say clarion call whenever you're there. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there is the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. Well, what we know about this particular passage is that what Moses is hearing rightly is the revelry that's taking place at the base of Mount Sinai as the people are worshiping the golden calf. And what you have here is that you have a disciple maker and a, a disciplee. And the disciple maker has an ear that can detect the distinction of sound. And he has joined to him Joshua, who is being trained to become just like his teacher. And that ear that's being trained, so that from Moses and later from Joshua, they themselves could give a clarion call of what to do next based on the clear discernment that they hear in their own ears. Well, turn with me now to Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. Say clarion call whenever you get there. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. A clarion call is given in order to move people, instruct them as to what they must do and where they must go. Well, this requires us to rightly here so that we can sound the right clarion call. This well-instructed tongue is a clarion call of the ear being wakened morning by morning by the Lord. When the Lord begins to stir you, begins to move you, begins to awaken you, to draw near to his word, it's because he wants to train your ear to hear his voice. He wants to train your discernment to know a distinction between what is him and what is not him. And so that whenever you stand and you are then ready to be obedient and sound that clarion call of covenant redemption, it will clearly come out of your mouth and effectively and clearly lead the people that you're sounding it to. 
It's good to have words that are clear. It's good to have a well-directed path in what we say. God is choosing us as his instruments that he wants to sound his clarion call through. And as a body, we're going to grow and mature into this. And every person in this church is going to learn to have an ear that is awakened and a tongue that is well instructed. Well, Revelation 2 and 3, don't turn there. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 in the letters to the seven churches picks up on this. It says to each church at the very end of the letter. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's an ear that has been awakened, and that, therefore having a well-instructed tongue of direction to each church. Well, to those who have the discernment to be able to hear rightly what God is saying to the churches, then have the clarion call to give direction to those churches. But this all culminates in what we find in 1 Corinthians 13. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to look at verse 1. There you go. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong. Or a clanging symbol. The foundation and the effectiveness of a clarion call is love. But let me put it in its right context and footing. Chapter 13 here is sandwiched between the spiritual gifts being described in chapter 12 of Corinthians. And the further clarity of tongues and interpretation and prophecy in chapter 14. And what we have here is a declaration, a clear call that all these things must flow from the position of love. But love in this regard, it begins with a love of the Lord. That love of the Lord then positions you to have a love for his word and a love for the moving of his spirit. And by having love for all three of those, it will help give us a clarion call to others. It gives God the ability to resound through us with perfect clarity. That ability to resound through us with perfect clarity lets people know whether we're assembling together or we're assembling on the move and setting out. There's clarity that is given. Look at verse 8 in Numbers chapter 10. It says this, the sons of Aaron, the priests, are to blow the trumpets. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you and the generations to come. There are people who are assigned to watch and make sure and see if the cloud is going to move. And then the priests are assigned here to make sure that they are sounding the clarion call. They are blowing the trumpets here. I couldn't help but be reminded of Malachi chapter 2. Yeah. Keep your place in Numbers 10, but turn with me to Malachi chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 5. Give me a clarion call when you get there. Malachi 2 and verse 5. It says this. My covenant was with him. A covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him. This called for reverence and he revered me. And stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth. And nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness. And turned many from sin. 
See, when that clarion call is made, when you're able to speak exactly as God has instructed, when you first hear his call and are able to replicate that rightly, it turns others from sin. It'll turn your own heart from sin as you listen, but it is designed to strengthen, to build up. It says this in verse 7, for the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he's the messenger. He's the trumpet player of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction and clarity from his mouth. See, it's our responsibility as priests of God, men who hold to the covenant of redemption, to give a clear call, clear direction. Has anybody ever been guilty of not giving clear directions to someone else? Yes. Yes, we all have. We have to work and have and not only uh, practice what God is saying, but attune our ear, have our ear awakened by him so that we can hear clearly and be able to give clear direction from the word and from the spirit, from the very ruach that he has breathed into us, that our lives would begin to resound a clear call. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Man, I got to be honest with you. I'm working on getting uh, a better handle on having a clarion call from my own life towards other people. I mean, I'm really, really thinking about it. I'm, I'm want to work through this. Lord, this seems clear to me, but is it being clear to them? Is it clear to the people that I'm speaking to? Because if I'm not clear, then there might be confusion, whether we're assembling or whether we're moving out, Lord. You are always clear. Lord, help us to be clear in what we are hearing and what we are able to transmit, Lord. i got to be honest with you. This is a prayer in my own life. I'm working on this constantly. We're up before you and we're thinking about it constantly. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to do this. The problem isn't with you resounding. It's with us resounding in the same kind of manner. Think about this in John chapter 10 and verse 27. Is everybody there? It says this, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim it from the rooftop. Church, these are the words of Jesus. These are the words that are right after you find out about finding men of peace and going out and evangelizing. He's speaking to them of the difficulties that are going to surround them. But he's saying that he will speak to you in the nighttime. (laughs) I love that our God, for for him, night is just the same as light. He is not bound by any of this. But what he speaks in the secret, what he speaks in your intimate time with him, it is your responsibility to then take it and make a clarion call. First, activating it in your own life, then a call to your family, and then us joining together and being able to share together what God is clearly saying in us. This is the revelation that God gave me. Can you hear it, Andrew? This is, I was reading and the Lord showed me this. He spoke it to me in the dark, but I want to make it known in the daylight. I want to bring it to you so that you can know. Think about John 16. In John 16, the Holy Spirit It said, when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of truth. And he doesn't do anything except for what the Father speaks into his ear. This should remind you of John 5 when Jesus says the exact same thing. Man. When this comes up in your heart, when you're able to do this, you can have hope. You can be very bold, as 2 Corinthians 3.12 says. 
Do you know why that we're not always bold? It's because we're not, we're trying to attune our ear to what he's saying. But if he has said something to you, church, if he has given you a word, if he's spoken something to you in a secret place, in a quiet place, then you are supposed to bring that out and have boldness about saying what God has said. I know that he spoke to me. I know that he, what he's given me is right. I want to share it with you, and I'm going to have the boldness that comes as one. I didn't initiate this. I didn't start this. I didn't do it on my own. He gave it to me, so I should have a boldness that says that this is what the Lord has been saying to me. That boldness is what's needed. See, he's going to whisper to your awakened ear, church. Amen. He's going to whisper to you. Has anybody ever realized how sometimes soft the whisper is that God is speaking to you? Have you ever had just a time when it was so gentle that he's speaking to you that it really makes you lean in? Yes. Lord, is that you? And that was so gentle of a nudge. That was such a soft whisper. I'm going to quiet myself and I needed an awakened ear to be able to hear what you're saying to me. But once I know that it's you, there should be a boldness that rises up and you say, my God can shout when I need it. But this means that I'm walking closely to him. He doesn't have to yell at me. He's speaking to me and he can whisper to me. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to proclaim it from the rooftops with no fear. Everybody say no fear. No fear. With no fear. Say it again. No fear. No fear. When you speak what God has put in you, there must not be any fear. Because like the priest, there should be not only the truth on your lips, but also nothing false. Also, nothing tainted with yourself because God has given you something. That when you proclaim, you're able to sound the clarion call. Somebody say clarion call. Clarion call. Let's turn back to Numbers chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 9. When you go into battle in your own land, not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. When you go into battle in your own land against an enemy who is oppressing you, sound a blast on the trumpets. Then you will be remembered by the Lord your God and rescued from your enemies. Look, the Lord here is giving direction for a clarion call, a blast of the trumpets in the midst of battle. And as a result, It leads to your deliverance, him rescuing you, building you up with his strength in the midst of that battle. Look, walking in his covenant of redemption allows you to have the confidence to sound a clarion call for help in the midst of these battles. Your relationship with God, that covenant of redemption, it gives you the confidence to cry out. Your God has not abandoned you. In fact, he is waiting on that clarion call from you. I sent you in this direction. You are meeting opposition. I am ready to display my glory. I just want you to sound a clarion call for my name. I want you to raise the silver trumpets and declare to the heavenly realms who my God is. As a result, he fulfills his promise. We see here that he remembers his people. He remembers his inheritance. And he will come to the rescue. Man, that's a, that's a surety that we want embedded deep in your hearts. When you are facing opposition, when you go into battle, go with the expectation that God will come to your rescue. But there's a process in this. 
Numbers 31.6, I'm just going to read it to you, is an accounting of Moses taking heed of the instructions that are given here in Numbers 10. Moses sent them into battle, a thousand from each tribe, along with Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, who took with him articles from the sanctuary and the trumpets for signaling. It was a necessary, essential part of warfare to have these silver trumpets with them. Well, turn with me now to 2 Chronicles chapter 13, and we're going to pick up in verse 12 and see this in action. Say clarion call whenever you get there. God is with us. He is our leader. His priests with their trumpets will sound the battle cry against you. People of Israel, do not fight against the Lord, the God of your ancestors, for you will not succeed. Now there's something troubling about this passage because what this is entailing is a civil war between the northern and southern parts of Israel at this time. Israel at the north, Judah at the south. And just prior to this, Abijah and the people of Judah, who are in right alignment with God, are making a plea to Jeroboam and the people of Israel in the north. If you attack us, we will do exactly as Numbers 10 has instructed us. We will sound the silver trumpets of God, and he will remember us and rescue us even from you. You won't be fighting against us. You will be fighting against God. Now, let's see how this plays out in verse 13. Now, Jeroboam had sent troops around to the rear so that while he was in front of Judah, the ambush was behind him. Judah turned and saw that they were being attacked at both front and rear. Then they cried out to the Lord. The priest blew their trumpets and the men of Judah raised the battle cry. At the sound of their battle cry, God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. The Israelites fled before Judah and God delivered them into their hands. So let's walk this through a little bit. Judah at the front turns and he sees that there is an attack at both the front and at the rear. There's this community of warriors. They're moving as one man. And oppressed in the front and in the back. And the warriors cry out as a result of this this attack. The priest sounded the call on these silver trumpets. The warriors and priests are each doing their part in the battle. And the warriors joined the priest by raising up a battle cry when they heard the silver trumpets. They know that the numbers 10 is going to be fulfilled. And are lifting up a voice of triumph. God did as he promised in Numbers 10 for them. He routed Jeroboam and all Israel because they acted in obedience to have the priest sound the silver trumpets. In this passage, it's clear for Judah and also for us about relying fully on the Lord and then expecting victory to come about. Or what it was like 
for these men whenever victory was at hand. I bet you there was rejoicing in the midst of those community of warriors. There was a continued raising up of a battle cry, declaring the goodness and greatness of their God. I've witnessed this in this house. I've seen when we are attacked at the front and the rear, our voices rise up to the heavenly realms. We stand before you as priests. We sound the silver trumpets, this covenant of redemption, and knowing who our God is, and I watched God come to our rescue every single time. Man, I love this church. It is the DNA of who God is, that he is a warrior, and Yahweh is his name. That it's right to raise up a battle cry when you hear those silver trumpets. It's declaring to the heavenly realms the superiority of your God and that triumph is imminent. Come on now. That is in the midst of the battle. Somebody say right in the middle. In the midst of the battle is when you hear the trumpets go up. You're not waiting till the end. You are seeing the need for God because you're in battle and you are raising up that sound. You are raising up a battle cry that he might work on your behalf. That he might rout the enemy. Now turn to 1 Corinthians 14 with us, and we'll see how this continues on in the exact same vein. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 6. Come on, give me a clarion call when you get there. Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues... What good will I be to you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? 1 Corinthians 12 gives us an understanding of the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 shows us the heart that we must have while we're operating in the gifts of the Spirit. A heart filled with love, uh, compelled by the love of Christ to do what we're doing. 1 Corinthians 14 is giving the community the, the understanding of how the community functions in the gifts of the Spirit. Look at verse 7. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? There's got to be a clarion call even in a pipe or harp. Verse 8. Listen to this. Again. Somebody say again. Again. If the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? That's in 1 Corinthians 14. We are a spirit-filled group that operates in the gifts of the spirit. And you know what numbers um, 1 Corinthians 14 is showing you? That numbers 10 is still right at the heart of what God's doing. Because it's talking to, to, to the community. If there's, the trumpet does not sound a clear call, how will you get ready for battle? This is incredible. Paul is speaking to a people who were familiar with numbers 10. And the command to sound the clear call of the silver trumpets while you're getting ready for battle, while you're in the midst of battle, crying out to him to help you. There's a little Calvay Comer in verse 7. Y'all ready for a Calvay Comer? If lifeless objects must have distinction in what they, in the call and the sound that they make, how much more should those in God's house be able to make a clear call? This is what is going on. The gifts are used to strengthen and build up the entirety of the community. And therefore, there has to be a clear call that's given. And how much more so for us if we're just talking about a pipe or a harp that must measure up to this. Look at verse 8. The working of the Spirit in our lives, church. The working of the Spirit in our group 
is designed to move us to battle. The Holy Spirit speaking in our midst is designed to be like a trumpet that calls to either assemble or to set out or to get ready to fight. And sometimes it's all of the above simultaneously. There's a call that's going out. This is why we shared with you as we began to this, this morning about the prophecy, yeah. a word that came forth in our midst on Wednesday night that was like a clear call to us of what God is doing. It was manifest in the body to help us to get ready for the battle that is there, to get us to call out while we're in the midst of battle that God might come and rout our enemies. Amen. Man, what an incredible thought that the gifts of the Spirit are tied in with the sounds of the trumpet. The gifts of the Spirit are here to call you, to build you up, to get you ready, and to help you to succeed in the battles that are there. Wow. Man, isn't that a better understanding of that than just trying to figure out what you are going to do with a gift? You realize that it is for the community of believers. That God, that you're supposed to be making a call. That what's going on here is this is part of 1 Corinthians 14 later on when it says that everyone has something to bring. It's because everyone has been moved by the spirit and there's a clear call that you're able to do. Man, this should bring some rejoicing. This should bring a battle cry of rejoicing in this house. You don't have to wait until the victory is already being able to seen by, be seen by your eyes. You're hearing the sound and you're going, I know that victory is ahead. I know that my God will move on my behalf. Why? Because we're crying out with the very instruments that, he's has, that he has given us to be filled with his very Ruach, to be filled with his spirit Amen. that he might hear and come. That brings some rejoicing. Let's rejoice before the Hallelujah! Lord. Come on now. Let's go back to Numbers 10. Turn there and say clarion call whenever you get there. Numbers 10, we'll pick up with verse 10. Also, at your times of rejoicing, your appointed festivals and new moon feast, you are to sound the trumpets over your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, and they will be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord. So we have call from the silver trumpets of gathering, setting out, assembly of the whole community, leaders, going to battle, and now concluding with rejoicing. Sounding these silver trumpets over your Olah. Sounding these silver trumpets over your Shalem. Drawing close to God. So to see this illustrated, let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse 12. As you're turning there, 2 Chronicles 5 is a beautiful example of this verse in Numbers 10.10. We pick up at the bringing of the ark into the temple at the time of Sukkot, during the time of Solomon. And there's no greater celebration, time of rejoicing, than the dedication of the temple in this passage. Second Chronicles 5, 12. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, and Jedithon, and their sons and relatives, stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. 
at this time of incredible celebration and rejoicing at the temple. What started as two trumpets, two priests making the call, has been multiplied through the generations by the discipleship of men like Asaph, Heman, and Jedithan into a resounding assembly of righteous men who are able to make the same type of call as the original one. This looks much like another event that took place during a regalia feast. This time, the feast of Shavuot that's occurring in an upper room. There's 120 in that upper room. Filled with the spirit, the ruach of God. And through tongues and interpretation, they began trumpeting the call of the covenant of redemption as the breath of God resounded in that priestly crew. The onlookers, the hearers that heard that trumpet call coming from this 120, they said, we hear them speaking in our own language, declaring the very wonders of God. Well, what begins to happen whenever you are fully submitted to the trumpet call of God resounding through you? The clarion call of redemption begins to ring out. That they can draw near to God and be just as close to him as you are. Your words begin to shake the heavens and shake the earth. Begin to rattle the souls of those that hear it and draw them into covenant with him just as you are. Amen. Take a look at verse 13. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise to thanks and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, the singers raised their voice and praised the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. The same cloud that had been leading them the whole time. It is here in their presence. And the priests could not perform their servants, service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Come on, unison, having one voice. Amen. Singing, he is good. His love endures forever. They're not just in one place. They are in unison together. Yes. As one man with one voice. The result of this was that the temple was filled with the very cloud of his presence. The very presence that they had seen and had led them in the desert so many years before is now revisiting them here. This was a rejoicing. This was the rejoicing of builders and singers and musicians and priests and the king and the very people and God himself showed up. Why? Because the temple, the building that God was working on was being completed and he put his seal of approval yeah. by his presence. Amen. As each part of the nation did its own work, functioned rightly, followed rightly, the very house of the Lord, it grew and grew. And it was built up out of their love of the Lord and it culminated in the very glory of the Lord filling the temple of God. Man, what an incredible understanding that we see here in this passage. Look, in our journey through Numbers 10, we want to make sure that we give you guys a clarion call of what we covered so far. So let's take a look at the next slide. We just put these in order as we covered them. There is the clarion call that gives direction for unity and movement. The assembling of the whole community. The assembling of leaders. The ability to grow as we set out. A clarion call that must be lifted up in the midst of battle. And also one that is there for rejoicing. Look, the clarion call for a covenant redemption addresses all facets of life for Israel and us as Gentile believers. 
Paul gives a clarion call of instruction to the church in Ephesus of how to grow and build itself up in love. So everybody turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to pick up in verse 15. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. Come on, give me a clarion call when you're there. It says this, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This passage relates to what we've been walking through in Numbers 10 this entire time. God is instructing his people on how to follow his leading. <laughs> right in the verses before, he's talking about the fivefold ministry that's there to build up the church, that's there to mature the body of Christ. And this is taking it further and saying that we will be, become in every respect the mature body of him that is the head, which is Christ. He's building a people for himself that will display to the whole world exactly who he is. Man, I want to bring your attention to the word for builds up here in this passage. We have it on a slide. This is the word oikodome. Oikodome. This is talking about the building up of something. You can see it highlighted there. It is the act of building. It's not just the building itself, it's the very act, it's the very process. Somebody say, there's a process. There's a process. There's a process of him building up his body. There's a process of him building up and leading his people. And it's always about, it's always designed, aimed at, focused on edification, spiritual profit, and advancement. As a matter of fact, sometimes when you see the word edification in the Bible, it is this word. It is the idea of oikodome. See, because it's more than just a building. This is about the process of building and what he's building in us and how he's building us together. Somebody say together. Together. Man, if you saw a stack of, of lumber out in the front yard, you'd have to know if it's just a mess or if there's something that's being built to understand the importance of that lumber in the front yard. You'd have to understand how pieces fit together. See, he is building up what he desires. When God is moving, when God is leading and calling, it's a process of building you up for edification, for spiritual profit, for advancement. See, you got to keep in mind that he's not only building you. Everybody say, it's not about me. It's not about me. But he needs to build you so that he can take you and rightly fit you within the body. Far too long we've taught about, thought about this idea of being built up as an individualistic kind of perspective. I, I need the Lord to build me up. Yes, but what he's trying to do is he's building the entire process. There's an entire process. There's a whole house of the Lord that he's building. And you have your part. You have your place. You've been assigned your tribe. And what he's doing is moving it so that the entire house can be built. So that the entire body can be built up. So that he can achieve his purposes here. Amen. That's good. But pastor, I also found... Another definition that drives it home even more for us as a body. Let's put the next slide. This same word, orkodome, can mean to increase the potential of someone or something. 
Man, what are we doing in this body? What are we doing as a family and assembly in God's presence? We're seeking to increase the potential that we each have in each other. With, some, with focus upon the process involved to strengthen, to make more able, and to build up. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, build up. When we're looking at this to increase the potential, to strengthen what is here. Let me read to you Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. To mutual increasing of potential. To mutual strengthening. You may have had the stray thought at times. Why am I here? Why did God send me here to LCM? The whole reason you are here is that the entire potential of your life is increasing and strengthening. There is a process involved in this, and the Lord is calling and building you up through this assembly, through these leaders, through the battles, the gatherings, and the rejoicings. We want to let you know that it is our job to constantly seek the Lord and give you what he's given us. To increase your potential. And as a church, we will rise to fulfill that potential. Has anybody seen their potential increase since you've been here? Yeah, see, we're not done yet, though. That is the constant increasing of potential. Consider 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 19. Have you been thinking all along that we've been defending ourselves to you? We've been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, dear brothers, is for your strengthening, for the increasing of your potential, for the oikodome of building you up. That's what God has brought you to, is a house that does this and is doing it and working at it every single day, every single moment, with every single engagement that we have. Why? Because we hear God's clear call to us. See, church, we found here in Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, seven clarion commands that are designed to bring edification, spiritual profit, advancement for every person here. Somebody say every person. Every person. He's increasing our potential. He is making you more able. See, look, take a look at this slide to help us. In Ephesians 4, you see that you're speaking the truth in love. That you are going to grow to become mature through this process. That we're joined together. That we are held together. That you get an opportunity to grow as the body grows. That you will be able to grow. I can see it in your faces. I can see it in your lives. That he is building up. He is increasing the potential. He is making you more able. And we get to do the work that he has assigned for us to do. Amen. We want to put this together for you and give a clarion call what God is stirring inside of us and doing inside this church. Let's put up the next slide. We saw the parallel between Numbers 10 and Ephesians 4. Number one, when we are speaking the truth in love, we're sounding a clarion call to covenant redemption. Number two, our clarion call to each other will grow us into maturity. Walking in the unity of our assembly and movement as a body acting upon God's will when we hear it. Number three, this unity and movement bonds us even closer. Being joined together as a whole community that assembles in his presence and receives direction from his throne. Number four, 
as leaders, we will hear the clarion call to assemble and receive divine military intelligence to guide and direct this church, holding the parts of this body together while maintaining connection to our head, Jesus. Number five, we will continue to grow as a body as we set out to do his will and do so in his right order. Number six, this church is building itself up in love. This church is bringing edification, spiritual profit, and advancement to each other, particularly in the midst of battles. Number seven, each part of this body is called to do the work. And the result is a body that grows and builds itself up. Able to sound the clarion call to rejoice in what God has accomplished through all of us and yet will accomplish through all of us. Come on, stand to your feet with us today. Church, we have a call that we want to make to you now. Do your ears need to be awakened to his clarion call, to realize that he is calling out to us? It's not a call for you to be afraid. It actually should allow you to understand that he is moving in our midst. Maybe today you need to be built up in your unity. Not just arriving in the same location, but arriving as one man, as arriving with one voice. An ability to be able to move forward as his clarion call is directing you. That we're able to move and to join together. Do you need to be built up in your battle cry today? You're in the midst of a battle and what you do is you run away from calling out to him. And this is the very vehicle. This is the very method. He's saying call out. Call out and I will hear you. I've already made a covenant with you. you got to learn to call out. Not waiting until you feel like it's completely done, but in the midst of battle, you realize, man, I need to call out today. I need to cry out to him. I know I've been feeling this way. It's not okay for me to be faithless, to be feckless in my own heart. I want to call out to God today. If so, you can rejoice because he has put before you a clarion call this morning. He's working in our midst. He's calling and he's making it clear to us. We're engaging. We're falling in line and we are moving. This church is moving forward. As we begin to pray, respond and make sure that you are crying out to him with a clarion call. Mighty God, we come before you right now. Lord, we thank you for your moving. We thank you for your call to us. Lord, how clearly you call. How clearly you speak to us, Lord. Lord, we pray that your call would be ever moving in us. Lord, that you would build us up in our unity, that you would awaken our ear to your call. Lord, that you would give us the confidence, Lord, to cry out to you in the midst of the battle. Lord, knowing, being full of faith that you will move on our behalf. Lord, thank you for your clarion call. Continue to call in Jesus' name.